Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. This is Macabre Grimoire with Airy Show, Travis Nye, and Robert Maley. Welcome to Macabre Grimoire, Chapter 1, where we talk about all the cool, quirky things about paranormal and the weird. So, we got our three co-hosts here. We got myself, Aries Show. We have Travis Nye. And our other co-host, Robert Melling. Hey, hey, hey. So, guys, what's up? Uh, not much. I'm here to talk about the paranormal and investigate the weird and the strange. What about you? Well, I'm here to listen about it and see what we can find out and kind of play the uh, the inquisitive. So, have, I suppose. have you ever been interested though in the paranormal at all, or kind of? I've I've never really delved into like you know what people believe is is real about it, but I like dabbling in pretending that it's real in my shows. Okay, sure, yeah. sure. So, I guess what kind of? Um, so, what describe to us your background? Yeah, so uh, I'm a magician. I've been doing magic for a little over 15 years now. I consider myself doing it professionally for just a little over seven. You've gotten paid to do it. You're a professional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did this <laughs> birthday party in the backyard. It was really cool. Um, no, <laughs> it's more than that. <laughs> I think it's a little bit more than that. I can't remember. But anyway, um, so yeah, I, I kind of started out, you know, the fun kind of exciting magic tricks, you oh, know. Oh, sure. Check this out. Pull a rabbit out of a hat or whatever magicians do. I don't know. Um, but you don't do that because you're, like, above right. that. Yeah, I'm above that now. Upper echelon yeah. of magicians. Uh, you're a hipster magician. Yeah. Uh, but I actually kind of got obsessed with Houdini. Oh, yeah. Uh, so here's the really cool thing about Houdini is that the last half of his life, he was totally obsessed with, like, debunking, like, psychics and mm-hmm. all that kind of yep. stuff, you know, trying to reconnect with his mother after she passed. Yep. Um, and then I'd recently done a show, which Robert here attended, uh, called A Magician Among the Spirits, which was the last book he published in 1924, oh, cool. basically revealing all these methods and stuff that uh, he found that psychics and stuff sure. could communicate and you know come with all this information. Yeah. Um, so I've been kind of recreating that role in some of my shows, trying to develop an entire show based on that. Oh, that'd be really cool when I find is that is that fully produced right now, or is that just something you're still working on? It's still something I'm working on. Um, I kind of got sidetracked doing other things. But uh, I'm definitely still working on doing kind of an annual, like, monthly public show here in Sioux Falls. Oh, cool. So, I think a lot of people would definitely be into that. Yeah, because I, I definitely <clears throat> want more of an experience than, you know, check this out. This looks cool. But you're kind of more on the fence of, like, ah, I think it's bullshit. Or do you, are you, like, 95% bullshit or, like... You know, it... Or you don't want to label it yet because you're just like, I don't know. I don't are you Mulder, yeah. Scully, or Musky? I don't know if that works. As a I don't know what any of that means. X-Files? Yeah. Oh, I'm, get out. Out. Oh, God. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I watched, like, some of the old school, like, original X-File type stuff, and, like, I jumped in just, like, some random episode. Oh, and so, like, I see. it didn't catch me right away. Gotcha. But then, like... Okay, well, Fox is the believer, and and Scully is not. Fox right? is also the channel yes. it was on, right? Scully is the... Yep. <laughs> okay. And the old X-Files thing, it's like, that's not a mistake. That's when Fox was really, you know, marketing themselves with an X. I figured, yeah. 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 So... Yeah. 90s. It was a crazy yeah, time. It's a corporate thing. So so okay now you know Fox is Fox is the believer and and Scully is not where do okay. you fall? Uh 
I'm going to say I'm, I'm a good mix, like, because okay. I'm not really sold on it, but I'm not against it, because it is the unknown. Of course, yeah, and yeah. And that's what I'm super excited about this whole podcast thing, because, one, I'm here to learn about it, yep. because I can incorporate all the stuff into my shows and finding these cool stories mm-hmm. and backgrounds of uh, different historical events. True or not, they've been recorded, so that's going to be awesome to yep. learn about. Um, but it's crazy, because even if it is real, like, in my pers- in my profession, like, I could recreate these things on stage, like, live. And so it's, it's going to be kind of cool just seeing, you know, what people believe and have experienced and mm-hmm. thinking to myself, like, okay, how could that have happened? Yeah, I think that's kind of the cool part is, like, how did it happen? How did it work? Because, like, usually when we do filmmaking, it's kind of like we're creating our own magic tricks. Right. We're trying to, like, convey to the audience, like, this person gets stabbed when in reality they really don't get stabbed and they're perfectly fine. But how do you, like, make that happen? So it's yeah. kind of like a balance of, like, what you do on set versus what happens in post, and then right. the audience believes a completely different thing, so. Yeah. Kind of a segue a little bit into my role on the show, yes, kind of and looking then, at, uh, like, the history of stuff. I mean, are you familiar with, like, is it the Amazing Randy? Is the magician, is yeah. the famous magician who, he's also, like, an uber debunker. It's like, magicians have a talent for this because they're mm-hmm. used to, like, yes. you know, they can spot the tricksters because they know the tricks, they know how, you know, right. how the ga- they know the game. It's not their yeah. first rodeo. Yes. Throw in some other cliches here about, like, knowing the inside trap. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's another one. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there's there's him, and then, like, Houdini, he went basically went to war on spiritualists mm-hmm. because he felt like they were trying to scam him by letting him talk to his mom, quote unquote. Yeah, and uh, he even went after like the Fox sisters, who were like some yeah. of the most famous mediums yes. of their time. They and, were like total bullshit. Yeah, yes. and, he, and he totally like rained on their parade, and he got into a huge uh, headbutting match in the papers and stuff with uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who was, like, totally swept up in the Fox Sisters and oh. was like, spiritualism is the thing. You know, author yeah. of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Which you would think, with author of Sherlock Holmes, he'd be super into, like, skepticism and empiricism yeah. and stuff like that. But no, he was totally romanced by spiritualism. And uh, so when Houdini was just like, you know, it's all bullshit, right? He's just like, no, don't say that. You, you, just, you just haven't met the right one. You know, it's, like, it's funny to see their correspondence historically back and forth yeah. and stuff, oh, but funny. it's like... It's a small, small world of like, you know, entertainment industry from that time and stuff. And yeah. so, you know, getting back to that—that's why I'm here—is to offer these little random historical tidbits and an- anecdotes. And I have been super fascinated by uh, things that you can't explain and unsolved mysteries and things that we just won't ever know the answer to, or that it's really hard to know the answer to. Um, as someone who just absorbs trivia and knowledge like a sponge, those are super intriguing to me because it's just like I have this itch where I always want to know more, know more, know more, and I attack a subject and research it as much as I can, and then it's just like it's kind of burned out. But these are topics where I can't burn them out because there is no... I'm not going to find no the end. answer. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. And so they're always... They always intrigue me. And so I just love this. If you want to know my enthusiasm for this program, I've wanted to do it... I wanted to start one for like two years... And uh, the crew here knows I just shared a Google Doc with uh, eight pages of different topics I'd like to do episodes on. So I've thought about it a little bit. Just just, just a, little. a smidge. A few years of episodes here. <laughs> yeah, just a few. And then, uh, you know, getting into Ari. You're, Ari. You're, I do it every time. <laughs> we do really kind of know I think each we other. Should, I think, <laughs> I think we, I'm just going to correct you every time now. Could do until I get it right. Until I'm your we, guest we, on your podcast, then I won't. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I'm sorry. So my apologies, Ari. It's okay, thank you. Uh, 
So tell us a little bit about your background and interest in this. You kind of you gave us a good intro. So oh, tell thank us about- you. Okay, so my background is I was I started out a believer in all this stuff, and then when I went to college and I became a psychology major. Then I became a non-believer because I was like, oh, I'm like, ah, all this is bullshit. So but prior to that, I was really into, like, astrology and numerology. And uh, my friends were, like, into casting runes and, like, very, like, Wicca-ish type of stuff. We weren't Wiccans. We were just really into that type of spirituality. And then um, I get to college and I'm a psych major. And if you're a scientist, if you are a scientist on any level, the majority of them are atheists. So, like, they don't think there's anything out there and it's just you're just alive you're here and then you're gone you're done like there is no there is no like proof of like energy existing after death and so um so i was like well if i'm gonna be a psychologist i better like get into this and and so i I was like okay fine i think i kind of think the majority of this is like like there's no such thing as psychics there's no such thing as ghosts there's no such thing i mean like i was like like really dove deep and then but a still little part of me was just like I don't know I kind of think there might be and then um I took a class called pseudoscience which my friends tease me about all the time so it's like what you're fake you're studying like fake science (laughs) like why are you taking a class on fake science and it's like it's a whole thing but we covered like out-of-body experiences we covered near-death experiences we covered ghosts we covered um like psychics and mediums we covered just like this whole range of just anything paranormal we covered it in this in this class levitation i mean just like sure everything and we even have there's this there is this one um guy who likes to debunk psychics he even came down to sdsu and like did a whole speech and like we got to meet him and interview him and it was it was quite fascinating if i remember his name i'll i'll uh I won't be this episode because I'll have to research it. But anyways, um, basically he has $1,000 in the bank um, that's up for grabs. I I don't think it's $1,000. I think it's a lot more than that, like $100,000 up for grabs for any psychic who can pass his tests. So if they pass this test, then they get the money and then he's like, he'll go, he'll die, you know, knowing that there are psychics in the world. But anyways, so I started... So then I went into my music degree, and then I started getting back into the psychic thing, and then I started having, like, full-on visions and, like, just all these crazy psychic experiences. So it was almost like I shut it down for so long, and then the floodgates just opened, and it was just intense. So and then after that, I was, like, just, like, so I'm just, like, you know what? I You know, there's there's a lot of things out there that we just can't explain, and I'm really into the macabre and <laughs> just really interesting things, and and I prefer... The real stuff or the fake stuff, because I also do movies, and uh, my husband, he he prefers the fake over, over the real, so I can handle the surgeries, but he can't handle the surgery channel. Yeah. So that kind of thing. So, so yeah, so it's kind of, I guess, my background in a nutshell. Nice. So. I'm glad you threw channel in there, because at first you're like, I can handle the surgeries. I'm like, what kind of... What are you doing? <laughs> you're a really interesting person. No surgery channel, sorry. I get it. I get it. He can't handle the surgeries. I'm like, what? The surgery channel, you know, the real stuff, like real blood and stuff. Like he freaks out at real blood, and I'm all yeah. like, eh, whatever. I know your husband, and that's super surprising based on his uh, body of film work. Yes, yes. Very cause, surprising. Because like I love like ghost tours and like ghost like real ghost things, and he's all like that freaks him out, and I'm just like, but you don't. But he doesn't believe that ghosts are a thing. But I think he kind of does. So <laughs> I don't know. He's just funny. He's interesting. So it's a cool dude. Yeah. So so yeah. So that's kind of my background. And um, 
do so we can go into our first topic of choice. Are I you think ready? So. so our first topic of choice for this podcast is about uh, astral projection. Ooh, and uh, <laughs> that's I, my you. line of work. Thank you for that. Good, yeah. good job, guys. Golf clap. Yes. Um, I, did you want to start off with what you kind of found, or I sure. can start off? Uh, it, I, I'm cool. You do. You off. go. You. you if go nothing f- else, I'm just gonna. Ju- I didn't find much, so I'm hoping you've got a little more substance to this. I can. Go, how about I go and then you go? Sounds good. Okay. So, astral projection is kind of like. Um, having like an out of body experience or traveling to like what people will say like another astral realm, um, and it's really not as dramatic as it's made out to be in films. Like you're not actually like leaving your body as like a spirit <laughs> and like going to like another location. It's kind of more like guided meditation yep. to like visualize different places. There are. There are experiences where, yes, you can travel to other locations, and I have a few stories here that kind of um, outline that. But um, for the most part, it's not nearly as dramatic, I think, as people as people like to think it is, which is kind of disappointing, but also kind of relieving at the same time, I think. So I read this book by... Um, oh, no, it's in my other pouch. Uh, I want to say her name is Adane McCoy. I literally picked it up at Barnes & Noble last weekend. Yes, it's by Adane McCoy, and it's Astral Projection for Beginners. Wow. Yes. So, I'm surprised they don't make, like, four dummies. Yeah. <laughs> I, there, maybe there is one. But, um, so, because what Astral Projection kind of is, is um, we all have the four stages of brain activity. You have your beta, your alpha, your theta, and your delta. And beta is you're basically you're awake, you're talking. This is kind of us being in our beta I don't know what uh, cycles per second. Um, and then you have your alpha state which is kind of like you're relaxed and it's it says here like light to medium altered state used for light to mid-level meditation um, and, the mid, and that's like the minimal state that you need to achieve to like do anything within the occult. Um, I'm using that as a very broad term. I'm not trying to use it. Whoa. <laughs> like, oh, she went really dark right there. <laughs> um, and then your next uh, stage of relaxation is theta. And this, and she says here, it's a deep altered state associated with zen. So, and I've been in this state before. It's like that state, like right before you fall asleep, where you're just very like super chill and you're super, and you're just like, just totally mellow. Um, and then the last stage is Delta, which is your deepest level of sleep and, or basically like when you're in a coma, um, and you're not able to recall details about events and conversations that have taken place in the room or around you or anything like that. Like you're just out. So those are the different stages. And that's kind of the stage that you want, that most people want to achieve is the alpha state just to do, do maybe like a light, um, meditation or whatever and then theta is like where you could probably do like some of your best um astral projecting um so it's kind of so there's some science behind it to kind of back it up um as far as like what you see and what you experience though i think that's kind of more up to the individual and whether or not you can confirm if it's if it really happened or not because like i like to be able to confirm like Okay, this really happened? Because if I can confirm that it really happened, then I have something. But if it didn't really happen, I'll just put that in my file of like, oh, it was an interesting event. You know, that's kind of what I like to do. Um, but 
here is an interesting sentence. It says, you are astral projected any time your consciousness is immersed in another time and slash or place from that of your physical body. So, she even says in this, this book here, so if you're, like, able to just daydream, like, that's a form of astral projecting. Or if you're, like, somebody's saying, okay, close your eyes and imagine that you're walking down um, a meadow path and there's, like, a babbling brook next to you. Like, that's a form of astral projecting. It's not, like... You're going to leave your body and you're going to go to the top of a cliff and then... Patrick Swayze's going to help yes, you pottery. Yes, right, yeah. It's, it's nothing quite like that. Yeah. So it's just kind of interesting. Um, and then I had another little dog ear here. Oh, that was just for the the sample meditation script. So out of those those different stages that you had mentioned... Yeah. Because uh, you said how it's like right before you fall asleep. Yes. The first thing that came into my mind... Uh, because I've actually heard people talk about this, people that I know, like sleep paralysis, where like they're awake but they can't move. Right. Like so, that would be kind of similar yes. to that. Mm-hmm. But that would freak me out. Like that well, would not be relaxing at well, all. I, th- I think. Uh, well, theta, you're not paralyzed yet. Delta, right. you're paralyzed, okay. and I think that that's just like a. And I don't know enough about this. I'm not. I was a psychology major, but I didn't like get my psychology degree. Right. So. Uh, that I believe, and this is just me shooting my mouth off, so I apologize if I'm not totally correct. That's I think that's just a part of your body just having a hard time coming out of that because your body will go into a, sen- a state of paralysis while you are sleeping, yeah. but then when you're coming out of it, like your mind's coming out of the out of the sleep cycle, but your body's still like, nope, we're still in Delta, just gonna hang out here. So then, <laughs> so then you start seeing all kinds of fucked up shit around you. Yeah, that's one of my topics that I think we could do a whole episode oh, about. Yeah. Is, uh, sleep paralysis yeah yes. because cool. that that is a very long and storied history and then there's a whole bunch of just in the last decade amazing science about sleep paralysis that's come out very there's cool. there's a documentary too out on netflix i yep. think do you know the it's title scary as uh that's not the title of it scary as shit no yeah uh i uh i don't recall the title off the top of my head but I bet I could find it eventually here. Well, I have it written post- down. I have it written down at work. I'll, I'll try to find it too. So we'll maybe we'll post it on the p- Facebook page afterwards as something to check out. But yeah, I I want to check out that documentary because uh, I think that'd be super duper interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of my brief intro on that. You talked about. Um, <laughs> You know, that it's more of a, like, kind of a daydreaming kind of state yeah. kind of thing rather than a go to this mountaintop and do this thing. Yes. So, it's dis- would you say it's distinct from, like, remote viewing? I think they're the same. Okay. They're, they're the, they're, they run in, like, the same vein. Um, there's a lot of stuff that, like, we do in, I guess you could say, the occult practices um, that overlap each other. and But everybody gives it different titles. And it's like, well, it's pretty much the same thing. Like, remote viewing, astral projecting. Sure. The biggest thing with remote viewing is that, you know, with MK Ultra and the... Uh, oh, I looked this up just the other day. It's the Stargate. The Stargate... It's actually called the Stargate program. Yes, Where they had the remote mm-hmm. viewers. Yep. Like, they got into very specific, like, providing coordinates. And yes. the status of hostages and stuff like that. And once again, a ha- another topic we will do a whole episode oh, about yeah. on the road. But, and that's where i got to watch myself with this, is because I can go on tangents with these forever. <laughs> right. I've researched all of them. Right. Um, but no, so I, th- I think that's interesting. So it's like there's more than one, like, interpretation of... Yeah. Of what, obviously, because, I mean, it's a very nebulous concept this this astral projection so yeah yeah it's yeah it's such a weird it's such a weird thing to conceive but at the same time it's so broad which was was something else that i was very surprised about was just how broad it actually was i'm like oh because i at first i thought like "Ah, i've never astral projected but i thought i might that i 
but I kind of felt like, well, maybe I have. And then as, as I was reading her book, I'm like, oh, well, then based on this, I totally have. Well, cool. So I put that in my, my right. list. Check that off. Like, I did it. So move on to the next thing. So, well, yeah. I can, I can count the number of times that, like, I've woken up from a dream and, like, you feel like you just lived something. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's a crazy feeling. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's nuts because like I woke up a few times. I can't even remember what I was dreaming about, but it scared me. And like I kicked my cat like six feet across the room off the bed oh, because okay. I thought they were like I'm like, oh my gosh, it's actually in the bed. And I just oh kicked shit, it. yeah. Um, and then like I think about it and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that totally felt real. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. There was one time I I uh, I had a dream where I was this employee at some like shitty factory in a small town and and I was like really just like kind of down on myself about the job that I had and I hated my life and I went outside to smoke and I'm and I don't smoke okay so this was super weird that I was like going outside to get a smoke like on a smoke break or whatever and I'm talking with like one of my co-workers and we're talking about some sort of conspiracy at work and it's just like and it's not really conspiracy like or anything know. well just you know you talk about like oh I think someone so is gonna retire oh, and I think sure. you know so and so is gonna take their office job and, yeah office gossip so we we're just bullshitting about that and then you know extinguished my cigarette and went back inside and I just noticed like what the how the building looked and just it was a gray rainy day out and and I don't know, I just thought it was interesting. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I better, you know, refresh my resume. And when I woke up, I'm like, that is so weird. Like, I've never had a dream like that before. And I just, it, I, it wasn't me. Like, I could, I just knew it wasn't me. Well, then fast forward a few months, um, Dominic and I decided to take an alternative route to Mankato. Because we're up in Brookings, so we're just going to head straight from Brookings to Mankato. Sure. And sure as shit, we passed by this exact same fucking factory, this small town <laughs> shitty town, where I was just like, oh, there it is! <laughs> it was a weird... I'm like, I, had, I almost wanted him to, like, pull over so I could, like, look at it. And I wanted to go inside and just be like, is this, like, legitimately the place? But it was the same building. It looked... It was like... It was... Everything was right. Even the door that I saw on the side of the building where I went outside to get my smoke break in my dream, it was that same door. Oh, weird. It was so messed up up so it was just like one of those like synchronicity things or i don't know what it was but it was but it was such a like a toss away dream too like okay why am i dreaming about me being a depressed co-worker at a shitty job you know and going out at a smoke break that is such a rando dream to have you know whereas usually my dreams are a little bit you know they're about me they're not about me being someone else so right. it was just interesting that here i am in this small i don't even remember where the town was Oh, I should have remembered, but... It's, it's, this conversation's kind of re-sparking my interest into... Because a long time ago, I used to look into, like, you know, the meanings of dreams and stuff like yes. that. Mm-hmm. And that stuff's super interesting. And then I kind of got into, like, you know, like, what what triggers these dreams? Like, what life experience that I have that made me dream about yes. this? Mm-hmm. And there's, like, so many influences and stuff. And it's crazy looking back because... Um, I remember I lived in a house when I was, like, three years old. And I remember the crib and everything like that. But I've had these dreams of the exact house and layout and mm-hmm. I, my parents are super weirded out like how do you remember that because I tell them like you know what picture was on yeah, the wall right? what color of the carpet the layout of the house like my room and like how do you know that like we moved out of that house when you were like three and I'm like right. I just see it like, yeah. It's, yep. yeah it's crazy how much like those things that influence you actually stick with you that you just don't remember until like, right. for instance if you're sleeping and that just oh, kind yeah. of unlocked right 
Yeah, I mean, like, I can see, because I had dreams, like, when I was, like, a baby in the high chair, and my parents were feeding me, and, like, I had a very strong memory about that, and not only that, but also my mom painting the balloons on the headboard of my bed. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember those moments, my parents were just like, how would you even know that? Yeah. Like, that was just a dream, but, and that was kind of, like, how I gradually started learning that, oh, I'm a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but this whole factory dream that I had, though, this is, like, I'd never been to this town, I had no idea where this was, it was... I don't smoke. So it was just, the, all those. Ex- That's what I was going to ask. It was just like, you went out for a smoke break, and I was sitting here thinking, I didn't know she smoked. I don't. That's weird. the weird part. That is weird. And I've tried it, and I hate it. So, <laughs> ha And I wasn't, yeah, like, I think I maybe puffed on a cigarette maybe like three times in my entire life. And that was back when I was like, you know, 19, 20, whatever. So. Sure. <laughs> But yeah, so that was just, it was a strange, super strange experience. And maybe it's like, well, then maybe some of that was astral projecting, you know, but why am I this person that hates their life? Yeah. Maybe it's me. I don't know. So. Yeah, I think dream interpretation is something we could get into in a whole episode just because, like, I have the weirdest dreams. Like, even people are like, oh, yeah, how weird are they? And then I go and I explain it, and they're like, okay, that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> and not not even, like, in a, like, conventional sense, just because they're so abstract that they're just... Dream interpretation is actually a service that I offer to clients. So I will. we should definitely do that Absolutely. sometime soon. Yeah. So, yes, yes. So I will, I will save that for now, but I totally wanted to do that because I have like a top ten list of all time weirdest dreams that I want you to for like that you personally about. had. Yeah. Oh wow, that's, that's, that's awesome! I love that. So let's see. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit if you're you're ready. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I have a couple stories too that I can share, and then we can talk about those and sure bounce back and forth. So I thought I'd bring up a little bit about the history of astral projection, and I didn't find a lot. Basically, because my biggest resource with my time being what it is is. Google, and there are a holy crapload of uh, people who are trying to sell you stuff or teach you how to astral project or their meditation courses or things like that, and uh, you, and they kind of drowned out like conventional sources of like this is an actual history book about you know this occultist who wrote about it in you know the 1920s. But here here's what I did find. Uh, I think it's really interesting. Helen Keller was a really big believer in uh, astral projection, which before this is not something I knew. Oh, I didn't know that either. Uh, Here's a quote from her book, My Religion, that was written in uh, 1927. This is Helen Keller speaking about her first time astral projecting. I have been far away all this time, and I haven't left the room. It was clear to me that it was because I was a spirit, and I had so vividly seen and felt the place thousands of miles away. Space was nothing to the spirit. Ooh. Which is really fascinating for her to be talking about, like, seeing yes. uh, things. Because what she was describing, I believe, in this particular encounter was that she said she was describing Venice. And I don't know if someone had just been talking to her recently about Venice or something like that, but she was actually describing, like, that type of architecture and stuff oh, like cool. that. But it's Helen Keller, so it's like, she can't see, she can't yeah. hear. It, it, oh, and yeah. And so it's like... It, I'm just like, wow, that's kind of... How did she come up with that? <coughs> so it's really, you know, it's, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I can tell, humans have believed that a person exists outside of their body basically since we were, were human. I mean, you go back to, like, 20,000 B.C., and you can find evidence of, like, an actual, like, prepared burial, which 
looks like more than just like body disposal where it looks like they actually like may have like put flowers with them or like arranged them with tools or the you know like arranged loved ones together stuff like that so which archaeologists have always thought that and that that kind of implies uh in paleontologists that that's uh you know that's kind of an indicator of okay they think there's an afterlife if they're doing that kind of stuff yeah yeah uh one of the first uh, mentions in like a written historical record is on papyrus from the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Uh, it, we can really get into Egyptology later because I studied that a bunch in college and that's a favorite of mine. But uh, they had the concept of the Ba, which is the first like written account that I can think of where people actually talk about like a soul that represents like your personality and oh, stuff sure. like that. Mm-hmm. And that, so that's a little bird thing that your ka, which is like your life spark, carries to the underworld, and then you get weighed against a feather that's ma'at, truth, which mm. I can go on and on about. I can go on and on about ma'at, let me tell you. <laughs> and uh, so not to get sidetracked in Egyptology, but, uh, you know, that's that was a concept of kind of an out-of-body experience because they believed that certain practitioners could, like, harness their ba and use their ka to, like, fly around and see things that there's no way they could have seen, stuff like that. There's, like, vague accounts of that, especially, like, in some of their mythology. Yeah. Uh, and then, let's see, the Japanese had a really interesting concept of the uh, Shoroyo. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, it's like a, that they could astral project, but a person could basically make a ghostly apparition of themselves uh, while they were sleeping and their body was somewhere else. Mm. And they believed that this apparition could... There's accounts of them being like bodyguards, like watching like a samurai who was so great a warrior that he would unleash his... Shorayu when he was sleeping so that if like people came to try and attack him in the night Shorayu would slay would like battle them like it was him and like Uh slay them and stuff like that oh interesting and then uh, there were other accounts where there were ones who like someone who'd been wronged basically once they went to sleep there, they launched their Shakairu or whatever out and it like avenged them or like took that you know almost Game of Thrones like smoke baby monster thing like style like go out and like assassinate people or things like that so you know there is a little bit of history to it it's kind of it's not quite astral projection but kind of yeah like you know it's list it's, it's like, listed uh, in sources as like early examples of it yeah the the first uh, account we have in the quad you know we'll we'll call it modern day is emmanuel swedenberg who was uh uh, I believe, I think he was a French occultist, I'm not sure. It, when in doubt, when we're talking about like the 17 and 1800s and weird shit, just go, it was French occultists. <laughs> because seriously, those guys were into everything. They they were doing like crazy ass exper- like experiments because this was like the dawn of the development of the scientific method. So they were like, let's take this soil from the grave of a murderer the soil from the grave of a suicide victim and mix them together with the blood of a virgin. And I think that will trigger ghosts. And they would have it like written out like a formula. And they were trying to like scientifically test oh, these occult ideas about like how you can like curse someone or summon ghosts or like, you know, speak to the dead and stuff like that. Right, right, right. And so there's a whole rich history. We could do a whole thing on French occultists, but I, when we get to the 1700s, I will probably reference them a lot. But I believe Emmanuel here was one of them, and he kept a spirit diary from 1747 to 1765 in which he described, uh, he, or he wrote extensively, it says, about out-of-body experiences. Um, and then my last note here is that uh, most researchers... Uh, maintain that astral projection, uh, most of its evidence comes from anecdotal accounts in the forms of testimonials, uh, 
and they think that most of the, you know, basically when they've tried to do like parapsychological experiments, yes. like like I was talking about before the show, where we'd put like something on a like you know, on a f- card table in a garage somewhere, and you'd have to try and, like, describe it to me. It's like, no one can, like, reliably create uh, a body of evidence saying that they could astral project and see what that was, except for, like, you know, possibly remote viewers, which gets into the whole Stargate thing we mentioned earlier. Yes, yes. And that's its own, like, separate thing. And yes. like we're saying, that's almost distinct from astral projection, but it kind of is that. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, but uh, we, we'll do a whole thing on that. But for now, just keep in mind that other than account, you know, these accounts from, you know, could be considered like conspiracy theories, but some of it is like actual declassified stuff, claims there are people who could do it. But uh, when scientists in the, you know, day-to-day sunshine, not classified world try to like do this, they can't do it. Right. And the thing I like most about like all these... Uh the, the history and the recordings and stuff is, is the magician side of me is Houdini was known for all these things, you know, uh, all these amazing feats. And since there's no actual, like, real method of recording these, mm-hmm. that it's it's kind of been like the telephone game. Like, oh, no, this happened and this happened. And so the, the very same thing might have happened during these these time periods where it's like, yeah, this, this is what we witnessed, this happened. And so that's why I like this discussion because... It, you know, there was no real way to prove that right. it happened. So right. um, everything is kind of up in the air as to that time period and what happened in the moment, which mm-hmm. we'll never really know. Yeah, most of it, like, we never... How do, you, how do you record this other than, you know, that's the problem with, like, scientific method, the physical Newtonian, you know, universe that we, that, sci- that the scientific method operates in currently. Right. Right. Yeah. Is, you know, it's like, unless you can have empirical data of, you know, this many things at this time and can... Basically, measurement yeah. is the key. And right. duplicate it. Well, Duplication and measurement. And if you can't do that, it's like, it's unquantifiable. Right. Well, but like getting like the spirit world to act consistently is so impossible because I think it's, they're like cats. They're not going to perform on command unless you get a trained cat, but that's a different thing. But, <laughs> but, that, but like, you know, you're not going to get like a ghost to do something on command. It's not like a, like, I, I, hit this key on the piano and then and then the spectral will walk down the hall it has to be the right conditions at the right time and like there's so many other factors that play into that that's beyond just the one action Mm -hmm. that i don't think a lot of people understand that that's why this projection happened or took place not projection of the spirit took place which is a little bit different different area but it's also kind of the same concept of with astral projection you know it's you know factors have to be you can't control it in a, in a you know in a scientific environment, but there was um, there is a documentary on Netflix. I think it's called the DMT experiment, where um, they do they where these individuals take this drug. Is it called DMT? I don't remember. Ah, it's with Joe Rogan though, so maybe search for Joe Rogan and you'll come up with it on Netflix. Because <laughs> he's he's the host of it. But basically, these people took like this super hallucinogenic. Um, not drug, but, like, plant that has, like, these super hallucinogenic properties to it. And they were just completely... Yes, that's it. It is DMT. (laughs) Yes, I'm so smart! Okay. (laughs) So, they take this drug, and and they did it, it like, in a hospital-like environment. They interviewed, like, all these people to be like, can you handle this? And most of the people either have not taken drugs or have 
taken at least like marijuana. So they're familiar enough that they're not going to like freak the fuck out. And then they describe the most incredible out of body experience that like I think I've possibly ever heard. And it was just like they were they're just like we are beyond time, beyond space. And it, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty intense and pretty fun um fun watch. So if you want to see some, you know, see more on on that and that's definitely in the vein of astral projecting. So and I know this is be- becoming like my probably want a cracker, but uh, this DMT is something we could totally do an episode on because I've read an entire book about oh, yeah. how it's uh, like basically it can give people religious experiences that will yes. like, change their life. Lo- like it will, yeah. like basically people have this stuff and then it like changes their life forever. Mm-hmm. And I've read a book that. Uh, um, Oh, I can't remember the author. It's Robert something is the author of it. It's a sh- uh, short history of vice. And it's just all about basically like the history of drugs and different kinds of alcohol, like how ancients made them and stuff oh, like that, sure, how they used sure. them. Mm-hmm. And he's basically, he's like, I, I, I'm basically a like drug historian. <laughs> and so he makes all this stuff that he's like describing and tells you how to make it in the book and stuff. Nice. And just describes it. So like, you know, he made the like the mix that these monkeys make to get drunk, oh. where they put the fruit up in the tree and stuff like that, and then it like sits in these little hollows and becomes super, super sugary. Oh, wow. You know? And so he made his own version of it and called it monkey wine. And it's like, <laughs> basically, it's like how the very first primates got drunk. Oh, interesting. Are recorded oh, so cool. Having done that. Yeah. And goes all the way through to like modern times, and he has like two chapters on this, and talking about how the Greeks had like a mushroom, basically... They had a religious rite for people who were, like, high-up philosophers and lecturers and stuff like that, where they would basically starve themselves and dehydrate themselves for, like, three or four days to the point that they were almost hallucinating. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And then they'd give them a massive dose of DMT. Oh, Jesus Christ. And basically it would alter their life forever. And right. there's the book talks about how it's, like, it could very well be where, like, Plato and Aristotle and a lot of people got their ideas was from... Uh, tripping right. on DMT right. and this religious rite where they went to the oracle and got this sacred cup that had it in it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, how, and then he talks about how they grew it and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, super fascinating. And just uh, his one of his anecdotal like case studies with it is this this guy who did it in the 60s or whatever and ended up like, he had been like a total burnout, druggy, like in and out of prison, stuff like that. And he did that and like, that was like 40 years ago, and now he's been like a Jesuit priest monk type person, oh, wow. and he's like gone all over the world, like helping people, and super, super, like a totally different human being, totally transformed by it. Yeah. And just, yeah, it's super fascinating the effects of this stuff. On it people. is, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a super interesting watch, so we, so we should that, watch that. Because I think that's interesting, because Project Stargate experimented with. Lots of hallucinogens, especially LSD. Yes, the CIA yes. was super mm-hmm. into experimenting with, especially MK Ultra into LSD. They practically like invented it. Uh, like a lot of the guys in the '60s were famous for the psychedelic movement and stuff like that. Will claim they claim got started with MK Ultra and that basically gave them the, like their like education in it. Yes, and then they went out into the world and like <laughs> disseminated or whatever. This. And <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think. The challenge with ever, like, measuring or gauging or understanding astral projection from a scientific standpoint, a lot of it revolves around the fact that the whole premise of it is a consciousness. Yes. You need to move a consciousness from point A to point B. Right. Science has no idea what the fuck a consciousness is. Right. Not a clue. 
There's no way to gauge it. There's no way to measure it. There's no way to detect it. Right. But we know it's there. We right. know it's a thing. Well, we all know we have a consciousness. Yep. Yeah. Or we hope we do. Or yeah. that gets into like a whole right. whole know, other thing. Uh, that what, what you said about how uh, before they did DMT or anything like that, how they'd sometimes like starve themselves and yeah, like, three or four days or something like that. Uh, I watched an interview. Uh, Tim Ferriss interviewed David Blaine when he did the forty days with no food or water. Thing. Oh, oof. And uh, or he had water as no food for forty days. I was gonna yes. say I don't think you can survive. Yeah, right? yeah, no, he'd last like three days. Um. But basically, Tim Ferriss also did the challenge with no food for seven days, and he says it's basically a life-changing experience because you do see. He said that you do see like the hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic, they whatever hallucinations. (laughs) That's the word I'm looking for. Hallucinations. Um, and all that other stuff, but it's also like a completely like euphoric experience. Like once you get like you know four or five days in, once your body like starts triggering to like eat its own you, fat, especially with like I've read a lot about fasting pe- when people finally yeah. get into like true ketosis. Yeah, like if you do the, I I am, you know, a gravitationally challenged individual, and uh, so I've looked at like profile weight loss programs stuff oh, sure. like that, and profile in particular, uh, they talk about putting you into ketosis and you'll hear yeah. this in a lot of like expensive of fancy mm-hmm. diet stuff that yep. we're getting you into ketosis you don't reach real ketosis unless you are actually like fasting like you're talking about yeah. and that's what i've like read and heard from people is that like day four that kicks in and then all of a sudden they like forget they need food so then yep. it's like it's like once you make it to the fourth day it's like all of a sudden it's the 16th day and you're like oh that's right i don't eat anymore you're right oh yeah. shit yeah, and it, it was super cool. I mean, it was only a small little snippet. I, I pulled it up because I wanted to make sure I had the name right. But it's like 50-minute long thing on YouTube. Uh, but with David Blaine's endurance challenges and stuff, he talks about all these experiences that he went through with that. And it's really interesting to hear. You should have to send that to our, to our little chat groups because yeah, I want to see that too. So I'm interested yeah, in that. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. And, and like I said, we can do a whole thing about hallucinogenics, but uh, <laughs> you know, it makes me think of like the the Sioux and the Lakota Sundance and stuff like that. Yeah. Lots of different cultures did stuff where they would oh, like yeah. get you to hallucinate with starvation or with pain yeah. or something yep. like that in order to have like a spiritual experience. Yep, and that's kind of what she talks about in her book too. Is that you know you have you're an altered state of consciousness when like you're dealing with pain because at some point you don't feel the pain anymore. You're just trying to, you're just reacting to what's going on around you. Then eventually you start feeling the pain again, and then you know because you have like those different states of consciousness even like when you're sick you know you have a consciousness of like oh you're i'm sick i'm sick and like you're dealing with the you know being sick but then like once you're better it's like in a, you're a completely different state of mind yeah so it's it's and i know that's that sounds like ah bullshit like everybody no, goes through it, it, but it, it but like sense. but yeah but that's that's that is literally you know your altered states of consciousness and your altered state of like dealing with things was so like when there's an emergency happening you either do want to one of two or three things one of them is either you you run from it or you deal with it or you figure or you do a third thing which i don't know what the, the third thing fight is fight or flight kind of right you do yeah. the fight or flight principle like for me in emergency situations i'm like a plus like as soon as like an emergency starts happening i'm like all right what do i need to do like if you're to pass out right now i'd be like I'm like okay we're gonna put your feet up in the air we're gonna call 911 we're gonna do this and this and this and this and this and then like i'm basically like i just take charge and i just do what needs to be done to get it done and then after everything has already settled down, that's when I'm like, Ugh! like I ball my eyes out or whatever, and I freak yeah. out. So it's like that, just you know, different. See, I'm overly chill with that. Like if somebody's gonna pass out, like we're gonna let this happen because I don't really want to catch you. So go right. and lay down, and then I'll deal with it once you're out. And you can't tell me not to do that. Right. Well, yeah. It's, there's that. There's that. See, that's a different way of dealing with it. So, so that's just kind of yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm kind of that way. I, I have to thank Amanda and the YMCA for my training and stuff yeah. for uh, for doing that, and then working the front desk for as long as I did. You know, you'd have, especially with the YMCA, you had a lot of seniors. Yes. And probably once a month or so, I'd have, like, a, a code where I had to go take the oxygen tank upstairs. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, I never had to break out the the AED. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> thankfully. But, uh, you know, we, we'd had people taken away and usually out of an abundance of caution, have oh, a senior taken well, away yes, in an ambulance. Yes. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I never had anybody die on my watch, thankfully. Thank God. But, uh, yeah. I lifeguarded for a senior citizen uh, water aerobics class. Oh, boy. They thought I was a riot. Like, they loved it every time I was there because they're just like, like, who are you going to save? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and, like, and a couple old guys would be like, oh, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. I'm like, like you were literally breathing and talking. Like, you were not drowning. Like, you were fine. And so, and then apparently there was, at one point, a lot of them decided to do this study on campus where they had to up their dairy intake and they also had to up their cheese intake, too. And it was a weird study. And, like, oh boy. a lot of them had to drop out because they couldn't poo anymore. <laughs> so, so I got to hear all about that from them. They were they were a fun bunch. So they couldn't astral project? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they definitely could not. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Uh, so one thing, I can't even remember what you mentioned earlier. Uh, I love tangents. But there's something you said that uh, was kind of like a consciousness uh, that reminded me a lot of the whole hypnosis thing, which we kind of talked about. In text the, and stuff. The moving sure. a consciousness back and forth between points. Maybe. Um, yeah, it was something like that. But, ba- I mean, it all goes back to what you said in the beginning about uh, astral projection. Basically, just visioning yourself somewhere yes. else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in the magic world, it's it's amazing how many people ask me if hypnosis is real. Oh. And that, it, like, that, like, I don't actually perform hypnosis in my shows. Okay. Uh, but I've studied it so much that yeah. I feel like I could. But oh. to actually do, to induce hypnosis, it's all about just confidence and speech patterns and yes. stuff. Mm-hmm. Because the person that you're that is going to get hypnotized also has to believe that you can do that. Yes. So if you have any hesitation or doubt, then that's not going to happen for them either. Right. Um, but it's super cool because um, in the extreme sense, somebody asked me how hypnosis works, and I say, well, you're completely aware of what's going on. Yep. But you're so vulnerable and willing to follow instructions that you'll do almost anything. Now, is this like a like a like? Are, now, I haven't looked much into into hypnosis. Yeah. But is hypnosis like on the verge between an alpha and theta? Like you're like right yeah. in between there, or are you more theta than alpha? So here's the way that I explain how it works sure. in a layman's term, where they can actually grasp the concept. Mm-hmm. In an extreme situation, imagine like we're a bunch of drug dealers. Okay. Sitting around a table, guns, everything on the table. Oh man, we're we're rough. Okay. I know it's it's getting crazy. <laughs> now we're just minding our own business, having a good time. All of a sudden, the door kicks in. It's a loud bang. SWAT team is saying, "Get down, get down, get down." We have no idea what's going on because, like, what was that noise? Now all we're hearing get, is "get down," and we can't think for ourselves because our mind doesn't hasn't caught up yet. Right. Never right. thought about it like that, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of like so, a hypnosis. Yeah. So now they can't think for themselves. They just hear "get down, get down, get down," and so that's what they do because oh. they're doing what they're hearing and their mind is repeating so that in their head. So this, okay. Whereas yes. the SWAT team is amped up and prepared and focused, and yeah, it's yeah. so, it so the flashbang doesn't really yeah. bother them. So in the reverse, hypnosis is the exact same thing, but instead of being like violent, like get down, like right. it's, it's like okay, just stay calm, listen to my voice, and right. this, and you get the person so relaxed that they're willing to do what you ask them to do. Um, so therefore, like they they are actually envisioning these things. Like I've seen people on stage 
that are being told that they're driving a car 100 miles an hour and in tears because they're so scared that they cannot slow down. Oh, damn. Like, they're freaking out. And it's real. It's 100% real. Like, their emotion and reaction. Oh, right. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, but on the same side of things, like, if you think that it's not going to happen or not possible, you're not going to be hypnotized. Right. Like, if you're going up there, like, okay, I want to see if this is real, it's not going to happen for you. I went to a hypnosis show at the comedy club here in town several years ago, and I was like, okay, I'll try and see if I can't be hypnotized, but I think I'm too much of a, like, a control person where I want control over, like, what's happening. Yeah. That I just... I just can't. And, like, a few of the people that I was with actually ended up getting hypnotized. I'm like, yeah. how the fuck? Like, how? Yeah. How? But, like, because I'm way too anxious for it. But I can mm-hmm. do meditation. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the exact same yeah. thing. You have yes. to go into it with that mindset. Yes. Like, okay, I'm just going to relax and be vulnerable to this. And right. I think that's 90% of everything, like, astral projection yes. that we've talked mm-hmm. about. That you just really have to be willing to experience it and yes. not be like, okay, so I'm imagining this, I'm doing this, like I still don't feel like I'm there because you're questioning it the entire time. Right. You have to be willing to experience Correct. it. Correct, absolutely. The ancient Greeks, I think it's interesting that when they talk about sleep, they talk about sleep as a goddess that like overtakes you and you have to like allow it in. It's like. Yeah. You know, in the Western cult, modern culture, we think of sleep as this thing where I am going to go to sleep now. I'm going to go lay down on the bed. I'm going to close yeah. my eyes so that I can be get, commence and, sleep. And that's, <laughs> and that's why the word sleep is used in hypnosis when, like, okay, close your eyes and go to sleep because that's what we think it is. It's like we've just given up. Oh. But the person is fully aware of their yeah. decisions while they're being hypnotized. Like, you cannot really force anybody to do anything against their own moral code. Right, yes. Um, because they're still making their own decisions, but yeah. if it's something that's, you know, frivolous and they don't care about them, they'll just do it. Oh, interesting, yeah. Um, and so that whole sleep thing, it's not like you're actually asleep. It's just that in this culture, this day and age, we know sleep is to be, like, actually passed like out. Like, out, not, out. Yeah. right, right, right. And so once you do that, then... Yeah, because I did a past life regression recently, like, a, like a few weeks ago and it was it was I it was very much a similar experience like I was fully aware of everything that I was saying and doing but at the same time I was just like I was just very super duper relaxed and just like like I was okay with the experience so I wasn't like ready yeah. to put on the brakes at one point I did put on the brakes though but mm-hmm. but yeah for the most part it was like oh so maybe I am hypnotized right now because yeah. even like that when our in like my intuition development classes people are like am I hypnotized and it's like no you're not being hypnotized you're trying to get you are trying to get yourself into an alpha state it's not me trying to put you in an alpha state and trying to tell you to do things right that, that's yep. totally different so yeah. and it's interesting that like if you're uh perf- if you're the performer doing hypnosis and you have to talk like almost like a hundred percent scripted but if you like stumble or stutter over your words, that'll like snap somebody out of hypnosis because then their consciousness is yes. like, wait, oh, he just stumbled. Yes. Because they think. So that's like the hardest thing about being a hypnotist and what makes me like hesitant to do oh, it. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, I got to be so buttered and polished and like yep. trying to hypnotize somebody. Yep. If I stumble and stutter, or be like, start oh, over. Uh, yeah, basically. Like, yep. they will come out of hypnosis and you got to redo the whole induction process. Oh, my God. I know. I totally agree with that. Because, like, there's been times where I've listened to, like, meditation tracks. And if I can hear the person's, like, wetness of their voice, like, when they're saying words, I'm like, nope, game over. Yeah. I can't do this. Like, or if, or if there's, like, a weird, like, thing in the music, I'm just like, yeah. nope, not well, going to happen. I went with uh, Zach... Tenebo is the astonisher, yep. he's a hypnotist here in town, to a show, and I helped him set up and film oh, and stuff like that. 
And one of the things we always tell everybody to turn off their phones pre-show because of, you know, random ringing noise. Because yep. they're, oh, phone, and it'll take people out of uh, yep. houses. But the wait staff, the servers, kept all their stuff in a closet and, like, right next to the stage, like, during the induction, oh. a phone rang. Shit. And so, like, he lost, like, half the people, but, like, he was quick on his feet because, like, and now you hear this ringing noise, and it's so peaceful. It's so graceful. No, it's like, something that, like, that, like I've been taught to do with people. That's showmanship. Yeah, man. right? I was like, oh, my God, like, turn off the phone, because the person kept calling over and over. Oh, and, shit. The and, text- like, we were, like, trying to figure out whose phone it was, like, covertly, like, yeah. just go turn it off. I wonder, I'm wonder. i surprised that he didn't have it part of his induction, though. Like, if, if you hear any outside noises, just remember and, you're and it safe. Was there. And, like, and like any any noises that you do hear is just going to give you a deeper state of realization. Yeah, and that's pretty much what it is, because, mm-hmm. like, once they're actually in the induction, then that works, because sure. people can hoot and holler, because, yes. like, the louder it gets, the more relaxed you're going to feel, because people will laugh. Gotcha. And okay. so the audience just aids in that. Yes. Yeah, with a comedy hypnosis show, you'd have to be yeah. doing yeah. that. But, like, a cell phone, like, our minds are so wired and triggered, like, yeah. check it, like, oh, instant impulse, like, yep. where's my phone? Like, yeah. that's all they care about. Oh, yeah, yeah, And so yeah. that that's the, the issue, because we're just trained to want to check our phone anytime we hear a ring or even a yeah, ring. Oh, yeah. the ping from facebook yeah yes. I, I left a uh a, well, yeah a ping from facebook messenger in a <laughs> podcast that i recorded last week <laughs> and then uh i must have missed it in editing and everything else and it's just it's pretty mild most people are like oh, never gonna notice sure. it but for me i hear it and i was listening to the podcast after it was all uh-huh. up and like i've yep. been out for a few days and i was just like oh, oh. i was like looking all over the place for which device of mine yes. was like trying to notify yeah. me and i was like well, it had to it had to come from somewhere and, right. and I'm like Oh, and see, <laughs> similar, just like that, how we're trained to to that noise to know what it is without ever hearing or yes. seeing where it mm-hmm. comes from. Once you've been hypnotized, you can be induced into hypnosis almost instantly because our minds are now have experienced it, and we're not questioning the experience anymore. Right. Um, for a stage show, like it usually takes about fifteen minutes to get everybody into fifteen minutes. That seems like an insanely long time. But I guess if people, okay, all right, that's fair. People that's in the fair. Audience, yeah, people in the audience are super intrigued, and yeah. like, the time goes by like nothing. Yeah. Um, and 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 so like, but once you've experienced that, then the next time, like, okay. Your hand's now stuck to the table, like, it's going to happen, like, instantly. Oh, okay, sure. Um, but there's also, like, really cool suggestibility tests that uh, people do pre-show, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, have a scientific explanation, um, like, you know, fingers are magnetized and stuck oh. together, mm-hmm. light and heavy hands, where one hand yep. will float in the air, like, just suggesting yeah. with his balloons and stuff. But if it works for those people and they react really well... Then they're the ones that are going to be really good at being hypnotized because nice. they're like, "This is real," <laughs> <laughs> like, and so they're like, you know, they're already on board and like willing to experience. Right. It. I mean, and I'm not trying to like make those people out to be like simpletons or by any, or right. by any means. It's just they are just open to more power suggestion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. that's 100 percent all it is. And yeah. then, uh, same thing with this. Like those skeptics out there who say you know natural projection isn't real, it'll never be real to them because they're not open minded enough right. to experience. It. Right. But I mean, I guess what you can say to us, what I can say to a skeptic is just like, well, maybe you don't experience it in the same way that you maybe like myself as a spiritualist does, but you maybe have had days where you've like imagined things. You know, you've definitely been yeah. in an alpha state. You've definitely been in a theta state. So you can't deny those things. I'm not saying that you haven't experienced some form of it. It's just you know, you right. just give it a different definition. One thing that's really cool um, about like. Uh, Self-inducing hypnosis? Yes. Like, 
so many times, like, if you lose your car keys or something, yeah. and you've looked everywhere for them, you looked on that coffee table, like, a million times, and they're not there where you left them, and you come back, and like, oh, oh yeah, they're there. they are. Yeah. That's because you've already convinced your mind that they're not there, so you will bypass and not see it. Oh, fascinating. Um, and so eventually, when you get so frustrated, like, it's got to be there, like, your mind will start to be like, oh, right, okay, right. so it could look directly at it and still not I've see it. I've had that where I've looked directly, and Dominic does this, he'll be looking directly at something, but like, I don't see the pain pills, and I'm just like... Like, they're literally in front of your face. And he's like, no, they're not. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Like, it's... And it's so he, he convinced himself yes. they're not there. Right. So that's a form of self I should clarify, Tylenol, not pain pills. It's <laughs> just... You're fine. We're not it's, druggies. It's the... Uh, this podcast does not condone it. You know? <laughs> it's not condone opioids. However, if you have some, send them on down. No. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of the, you know... You can get into a whole thing about perception, too. And yeah. have you ever seen the video of the... People pass a basketball back and forth. Yes. And then the guy in the gorilla suit walks through the middle yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That was actually the first video that they showed to us when we did a, when I did my first Mindscape class. And when I watched it, I didn't I didn't notice the gorilla the first time. But and then the second time I was like I was like, oh duh, like it was right there the whole time. Like once you know it's there, you can't unsee yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's there every time. You can't replicate the not seeing it. Yes. Yeah. And like the second time that I that I took the class my cousin took it with me, and she's a super competitive person because the idea was you have to count how many times the basketballs are being passed yeah, back yeah. and forth because your mind is engaged in this other activity. But then, and then the gorilla, you know, passes through the middle, and it's just like, well, obviously, you know, I'm expecting the gorilla. Right. So. I haven't watched this actual video, but uh, Brain Games did one where Jabberwockies were doing a dance routine, and then a penguin walked oh, right through yeah, the middle yeah. of their dance routine. Yep. And it's the exact same thing. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. We watch brain games too. It's kind of it's a, I love that show because yeah I'm I'm like I'm not like a hundred percent like oh well, all the spiritualism is true and like the the scientists are liars and quacks like I I have I think I have a pretty healthy balance of just like like I want to prove it as just as much as anybody else does but yeah. like there's other things that happen. I was like oh well maybe that is a thing so that's that's where I find myself at too is that the reason I like researching this stuff so much and the reason. It's like, I can be super hard on them and, like, the really, like, true believers. Oh, sure. Because I want to believe so bad, but I know it's like I can get burned and just, yeah. like... yes. There's a Because there's a lot of stuff out there that is just garbage, but somewhere out there there's... I want to believe there's, like, real magic, you know, oh, out yeah. there. The, yeah. Something that's this tangible. Right. Coming to my shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know. I, I already, I've been to your shows, so I know there's magic out there. I'm talking about a particular kind of magic. Oh, with the K? Yeah. With, <laughs> okay. Uh, with necromancy. Oh, I like, haven't like seen you Harry ever Potter raise magic. the dead, so, you right. know. I try not to do that in my live shows. Yeah, you're, you're like, I'm saving that for sweeps. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I did have a couple stories that I had kind of, that I had recalled, um, so, with people trying to astral project and some questions about it. So, um, there was this woman who had her, her son and her, and daughter-in-law lived in Africa and they had a new baby and she really wanted to see this grandson and she obviously couldn't go there. So she practiced the art of projecting to the point where she could do it whenever she wanted. So she would visit their house all the time astrally, mostly when their grandson was asleep, so that she could see him. Well, one time she projected, and the house looked much different than it had. She sees a man sitting in an armchair reading the paper, and she doesn't recognize him to be her son. Then suddenly the man sees her and starts shouting at her, Be gone, demon! and various other obscenities. She comes back into herself and wonders, What was that all about? And a few days later, she's talking on the phone with her son and he mentions oh yeah mom i forgot to tell you we moved houses so mm. 
it's interesting. So I guess my questions are, what do you think the man saw when she projected to him? And now I wonder if some ghosts aren't actually really dead. There's just people really actually projecting. It's like a whole weird thing. God, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like I said, I'm pretty skeptical. But if that was true, the logistics and implications are fucking terrifying and mind-boggling. Yes. <laughs> yes, like I could project myself somewhere and someplace in time and somebody's going to think, I'm a ghost, but really I'm not. I'm just like testing out my astral I'm just watching you naked, yes. Astral projection. <laughs> Kevin Bacon did that. Yep. Yeah, that was in... Was that Hollow Man? Yeah, Hollow yeah. Man. <laughs> so, a true classic. Yes. <laughs> and then I, I, have a, I have a second story. So this... This is more about dreaming, but so this woman was having vivid dreams about visiting her childhood home. The property was old but expansive. She remembers the tree which she grew up playing in and in her dreams would visit this space often. In one particular dream, she's visiting the property at night and there's a family gathered up near the tree enjoying a summer night by the fire. She wonders who these people are because the young girl by the fire certainly wasn't her. One day, she decides she misses her family home and takes a day trip to visit the old property. When she arrives and she is speaking with the new owner, she notices that these people are from her dream. The little girl then pulls on her mother's dress and says, Mommy, that's the ghost I saw when we were by the fire that night. Mm. So, that's why I think that dream I had was, like, a thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's wild. So, and again, these are people that are just giving, they're just giving a story. We don't know the full, like, background of it. Like, were they drunk? Were they high? Were they, you know, like, right. like, like, how much did you really influence that situation for your brain to believe that? And did you really, you know, like, how can yeah. that old woman confirm with this man that, that he actually saw her face, you know? And did he right. really see that, you know, or what time was, I don't know. There's so many things, but, but let's, stripping all of that away, let's pretend that these really did happen. That's just fascinating that well that is part of it uh the guy sitting in the chair i really have no input on that Uh, (laughs) but the little girl thing yeah one thing that i'm a firm believer of and i always talk in my shows a little bit like when i do a little bit of speaking presentation about uh what magic is to me and that's the experience oh sure uh reliving like your childhood as an adult like believing anything is possible right and i'm a firm believer that as we get older we just block out all the stuff Mm -hmm. that we have you know, dismissed as not real or anything like that and could not possibly happen. And and I I do believe when you're younger, you you think anything is possible. And Mm -hmm. so having the same thing as being hypnotized, being willing to experience hypnosis, being younger and being willing to say, oh, yeah, that's a ghost. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that makes it even more possible. Right. In my mind. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I just... Yeah, and the thing, the fun thing with neurology when they're that young, it's like... Like, infants have, like, I forget how many millions of neurons firing a second. They are just, like, they're, like, super quantum computer brains. Because right. mm-hmm. they're just absorbing, like, absolutely everything, like a fire hose. Yes. And then even, like, young children are, like, probably, like, 30 times the neurons that we have right now firing. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, it's not beyond the realm of imagination to think they can perceive things we can't because they've just got this, like... Oh yeah, yeah. much better lens than we. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And I know when I was uh, when I was younger, and we kind of talked pre-show when I was trying to uh, when I was younger, I was trying to do like the hand chakras and like the Dragon Ball Z stuff, whatever. Yeah. Like reading that, even in my mind, I remember saying like, "Okay, I'm 12 years old. Like, I need to get this down now before I hit 20 years." 
Did you lose it? I think I did. No. I know. But I can fake it in my shows. Oh, there you go. So it's cool. Wait. you Did you just say you faked it in your shows? I mean, I mean it's 100% real. You should come do it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're your marketing person right there. Just yeah. helping you out with your PR. Cool. <laughs> Watching out for you. That's Get out for you and your bottom That's line. That's what else would more is here for. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, that's kind of all I really have. And I think... Yeah, I think we're, we're good on time, time. right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going to remind everybody, I, once again, I want to thank our, our hosts, Airy Show. Good job! Hey. <laughs> Travis Nee. That you got oh, it. I said Travis Nye! You didn't say anything! No, it's re- I'm related to Bill Nee, the science guy. We're messing with you. His name is Travis Nye. I was joking about Travis Nee. Oh, yeah. But so, it really is Nye? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it really is Bill Nee, the science guy. Quit, quit doing it. Just give her a straight answer. Poor Aries just like, I have no... So was this whole thing a giant goof? Like, are we, are we actually doing a podcast? <laughs> like, like, I can use for reference. I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> but, uh... That's interesting. Just want to thank everyone for listening. We really hope that you enjoy this. We are going to go on some crazy fun mind adventures and explore all sorts of bizarre, wild, fun topics. It's going to be a blast. You really want to be along for the ride. Uh, you can follow us at, uh, 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 sign up for our newsletter where we'll get episodes emailed straight to you. Uh, we are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, wherever. Uh, we will be setting up, uh, Patreon, so you can, you can support the podcast there, help, help us get some coffee money for our avid team of researchers and, and by that i mean us one thing yes. one thing i would like to add though and i think patreon would be a good uh, platform for this is as a magician i'm i'm hoping to put out some content that is interactive and visual uh something that they can actually experience at home on their computer and once again thank you everyone and uh yeah keep an open mind and we'll see you next time bye Macabre Grimoire is a production of the SiouxEmpire.com. Learn more at macabregrimoire.com. Last night.